Hello, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. It's my rifle, it's my gun, it's for fighting, it's for Firearms Friday. Firearms Friday. Yep, your chance to sound off on issues of a two-way nature Right here on The Michael Duke Show. Hi, how are you? Good morning. Welcome to the program. It is Friday. Stand by for news. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> Couldn't help myself. Couldn't help myself. Good morning, Americans. It's Friday. Um, it is uh, great to be with you here this morning, and boy, howdy, do we have a bunch of stuff to deal with today. Uh, Second Amendment Day, Fire- Firearms Friday, is the one day a week where we dedicate it to talking about the Second Amendment, gun rights, laws, things like that. It is a uh, great opportunity for us to hang out and to talk about a various and variety of different uh aspects of the topic and um, we appreciate uh, we appreciate you coming on board and joining us today on the program a full boat full boat of stuff in about uh, 12 minutes or so we're going to be joined by uh, Jacob Sullum who is a senior editor at Reason magazine where <clears throat> you can find them over reason.com one of my favorite places to go Every day for a variety of topics from a uh, libertarian perspective. And uh, he is a fantastic writer who has been covering pretty exhaustively over the last uh, week or so the uh, issue of the Second Amendment and the effect of the Bruin case, which is uh, has recently come out of the Supreme Court uh, in regards to the ban in New York State uh, on firearms and concealed carry. And um, Jacob has been writing about this, uh, the effect of the Bruin case, especially on the six states that are mentioned specifically by the court in their decision that have what they call may-issue concealed carry laws. Now, uh, may-carry, may-issue rather, is a uh, proclivity in some of the laws out there where you have to issue or give to the government some kind of justifiable cause for wanting to carry your weapon, wanting to exercise your Second Amendment rights, um, and uh, then they decide whether that reason is good enough. And no, just wanting to defend yourself, 
not one of the reasons. And uh, the courts were not amused by that when they finally got around to it. And they said definitely not consistent. And they have, in fact, now struck down that portion of the uh, New York law uh, and also the uh, uh, the Maryland law. But there's there's anyway, there's a bunch of states that are affected by this. And Jacob Selim has been watching the reaction from these various states uh, and uh, analyzing exactly what it is that they have been doing on this. He's also written a piece uh, yesterday, day before, yesterday, uh, yesterday and the day before, actually. <clears throat> so he's writing on the latest case, which includes a brand new challenge by the Firearms Policy Coalition against the state of New York challenging their so-called assault weapons ban and uh, saying that the decision made by SCOTUS makes it clear that the assault weapons ban is unconstitutional. Uh, and so we'll have some analysis of that. And finally, the um, uh, there's a third uh, story that he wrote yesterday uh, talking about the Institute for Justice, which is urging the Supreme Court to renounce the open-ended exception to the Fourth Amendment and allowing for warrantless gun seizures uh, as well. And um, it, uh, it, it really, uh, this is, he's been doing some good stuff. Jacob has been doing some very, very good stuff here in the last uh, week or so, talking about all these things. And we're going to get a, uh, um, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get a lot of good information on this. So Firearms Policy Coalition is uh, suing the state of New York, I guess, Gun Owners of America, also filing suit against the state of New York to abide by the recent rulings. And uh, that includes the, the, the latest, the, the latest uh, law signed by Governor Hochul um, at, right after the SCOTUS decision. Uh, just some astonishing stuff. Right after the decision from the uh, <clears throat> from the uh, Supreme Court, New York had decided to go ahead and change their laws ostensibly to you know to make it legal and make it conform with what the Supreme Court says. Of course, uh, they added a whole bunch of extra stuff, including restricted zones where you can no longer basically take your firearm without being uh, you know be fear of being a felon. And it expanded those areas so much that literally, if you carried your firearm concealed anywhere in New York City, you probably are going to enter one of those zones at one point or another, and you would be a felon anyway. So it essentially essentially renders the entire case moot at that point. Um, and, uh, and, and it's obviously a very blatant end run or attempt to end run around the uh, around the law and so we'll talk about that as well i mean the, the the government does not want governments do not want to give up their power to regulate you in any way shape or form even when they're supposed to be even when they're forced by the co-equal branch of government in the supreme court they um, they are blatantly just gonna go ahead and ignore it. And what that's going to do is it's going to force um, it's going to force lawsuits to try and bring them in line, as we've seen with GOA and with uh, FPC and with other organizations. There's more. I mean, there's more right now too. There, 
different uh, different lawsuits are starting to pop up around the country with these various states who now find themselves on the wrong end of this uh, Supreme Court decision. So there you go. Uh, there you go. Uh, so we're going to be talking with uh, Jacob Sullum about that here in just a few moments, and we'll get kind of the full dope on that. We'll also talk with our friend uh, Chris Chang, Top Shot Champion, Season 4. He's going to be joining us this morning to discuss um, uh, the SCOTUS decision and uh, everything else um, uh, regarding California's reaction to this. So that should be um, um, that should be an interesting uh, that should be an interesting discussion with uh, uh, Chris Chang again. Top Shot Champion works in Silicon Valley, comes from California, the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, brings us a very uniquely Californian perspective on a lot of these, uh, um, a, a lot of these issues when it regard when it's uh, regarding firearms and more. And then finally, we will finish things up uh, today with Willie Waffle from WaffleMovies.com, who will come in and uh, give us the full rundown of the entertainment news and some of the things that are on the streams and everything else. And I might even offer my own. I might even offer my own opinion on that uh, uh, with some uh, I've been watching some things recently that uh, um, that uh, that I, I would really enjoy uh, and I'd like to share it with you. There you go. There you go. That's what we'd like to do. Um, we're going to have a short segment of gun Q&A probably in the first part of hour two after we finish up with uh, Jacob Selim. Um, we'll have uh, probably one segment where we can open up the phone lines and talk about uh, gun stuff uh, amongst you, the listeners. And, uh, you know, remember that there is no such thing as a dumb gun question. So we can take that uh, into the first segment and then on uh, uh, we'll, before we jump in with, uh, with Chris Chang. And uh, that'll be it for today, unfortunately, because we've got such a full, full boat. But we will hang out and enjoy ourselves and uh, and just have a... Have a rousing good time in that regard. All right. So what's in the headlines? Um, well, again, the Firearms Policy Coalition has now filed suit uh, in New York. Um, America's war on the rifle may be coming to an end, says Tom Knighton over at Bearing Arms. But the, uh, the, the, the fight has just begun on some of these things. Uh, the Firearms Policy Coalition is um, uh, backing this case. They take aim at all the restrictions placed on normal semi-automatic rifles based on simple cosmetic features, uh, the ones of the so-called assault weapons ban, where you basically have two rifles that are functionally identical but may look a little more scary, right? Think of the, uh, think of the Mini-14, uh, now think of a Mini-14 with a pistol grip. Exactly the same rifle, but one would be legal and one would not be legal, based on that as well. Uh, they announced uh, on the 12th that they had filed a new Second Amendment lawsuit challenging the so-called assault weapons ban. The complaint in Vanshaw versus James uh, is up and viewable right now on the Firearm Policy Coalition's website. The Policy Council, uh, Matthew LaRossieri, says enough is enough. The people of New York have suffered this abuse for far too long. 
The arms targeted by New York's ban are ordinary arms kept by ordinary people for ordinary but extremely important purposes, including the fundamental right to an effective self-defense. There is no justification for threatening people, uh, peaceable people with long stints in a government cage for merely possessing a firearm, regardless of what that particular firearm looks like. With this suit, we hope to end this injustice for two long-imperiled New Yorkers. Adding this suit to the other three East Coast filings that have been filed after the SCOTUS decision is undoubtedly going to contribute to the stress put on the progressives who are pushing all this stuff out there. And paired with the California case currently in limbo at the Ninth Circuit, it's quite possible we'll be seeing a complete dismantling of prohibitions on most hardware-related laws. Um, and that's Tom Knighton and John Pelletrino's uh, uh, take on it. And I would agree as well. I would hope that this would be a good time to look at this and go, nope, not today. We're going to take those things apart and not see them. Uh, and just in case you didn't feel like uh, it, uh, you know, that just in case you, you, you felt like, well, that, you know, there shouldn't be, these things shouldn't be out there. These things shouldn't be. Uh, you don't need a you don't need a weapon of war to defend yourself, except of course when you do. Um, there's a Florida resident, and I know every time you hear Florida man, it's a it's a crazy thing. But a Florida home, Florida homeowner will absolutely not face charges after firing an AK-47 style rifle at suspected home invaders, according to the Escambia County Sheriff uh, Chip Simmons. The recent shooting was addressed on the official's Facebook page. He said the homeowner started shooting for his own protection to get them out of his house and protect himself. The sheriff said three men, including one armed with a gun, entered the home in Escambia County just ahead of midnight on July the 7th. The homeowner was present when the three men entered the house, pulled out his handgun from his waistband, but the firearm got dropped. The homeowner was able to run and retrieve another weapon, an AK-47 style gun, while the, one of the suspects picked up his handgun, they, he then began firing at the suspects before they fled the home. They identified two of the suspects. The third was later found with a gunshot wound to the head, though not a fatal one. So uh, no charges are being filed. Sometimes when it's three-on-one, having a, a semi-automatic magazine-fed rifle is probably a good thing. It was probably a good thing. So good news out there. And... Uh, it's, uh, you know, this, these are the reasons. It's not because we don't need a weapon of war in the whole. No, we may need a force equalizer. Uh, when it's two on one or three on one or four on one, as we've seen in several instances, that force multiplier of having multiple rounds without the, the need to reload, uh, especially chambered in a rifle caliber, is definitely not a bad thing. Definitely not. Um, all right, we're jumping into it. Jacob Sullum from Reason Magazine is coming up next. The Michael Duke Show continues. We're gonna uh, we're gonna see what you have to say. I see Rob Pincus is in the chat room. Good morning, Rob. How are you? Uh, more gun goodness coming to you this Firearms Friday. We'll continue with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Back right after this with Jacob Sullum from Reason Magazine. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. 
Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Welcome back to the program. Um, in the break right now, um, I see that uh, uh, Rob Pincus, uh, as I mentioned, just in the chat room. Hey, Rob, hope things are going well for you. Hope your training schedule is doing well. We should have you back on the program here uh, in the near future to talk about the uh, the SCOTUS decision. Yeah. That uh, that would be a good uh, that would be a good uh, good opportunity to hang out a little bit and talk about those things. So maybe we'll reach out to Rob Pincus and see what he has to say uh, here in the uh, uh, see what he has to say in the near future uh, as we go forward here. Uh, all right, hey, the, I just noticed that the audio stream is down. I gotta I gotta fix something. I gotta fix something for the audio stream. So how are you guys doing? Are you guys all ready for the? Uh, are you working for the weekend? How are you? How are you? Are you how how are you, how are you doing? How are you doing? Uh, e u i t. Um. All right, we'll try that one more time. It's fighting me. It's fighting me over here. B uh, bad badly. Let's see if we can get this thing locked and loaded. There we go. All right. So if you were trying to listen on the audio only stream. I apologize. Uh, we have now got the audio-only stream up and running. I just realized that it wasn't there for a little bit. So, um, all right. Uh, I go. Oh, hey, I guess I should uh, get my. I suppose I should get my poop in a group here and get uh, Jacob Sullum on the phone. That would probably be a. That would probably be a good call. Have they ever defined what an assault weapon is? No, they've kind of used the whole thing of it is whatever we feel that it is. Although they try to put some characteristics on it, you know, like pistol grips, bayonet lugs, and everything else. It doesn't really matter because in the end, you've got firearms that are functionally exactly the same, although they may look cosmetically different. But, you know, at that point, um, that's again, that's part of the problem. Is that they don't have a? Uh, uh, is that they don't have a? Uh, uh, it, it, there is no real definition of what an assault weapon is. All right, let's uh, go over and uh, see what's going on with Jacob Sullum. Good morning, Mr. Sullum. How are you, my friend? I'm doing all right. How are you? You know, it's another beautiful day in Alaska. The fires are. Uh, you know, we've got three million acres of uh, wilderness on fire, but it's been raining the last couple of days, so we're feeling pretty good about it right now. <laughs> well, uh, it's been in the hundreds every day here. Oh, recently. my goodness, yeah. No, it got hot here. It, it had not rained the entire summer, essentially, until just this last week. We had like 227 wildfires around the state. Wow. Um, and, uh, yeah, the whole world was on fire. So we got some good rain, and we're feeling pretty good about it, about 100 you could keep all that stuff. I'm just saying right now. Uh, yeah, it dips down to the 80s at night, though. Well, that's cool. I mean, it cools off <laughs> into the 80s. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, man, you've been a busy guy. i got to tell you, uh, we're in the break right now. We're about to jump back into it here in a minute or so. But you have been busy riding on the SCOTUS decision. Uh, you've been doing a lot of uh, – you've been yo doing yeoman's work out there. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's something that should have happened, you know – 
decades 14, ago 14 14 yeah. years ago <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. i mean uh, I'm, I'm just talking about heller but yeah i mean heller should have happened earlier too but yeah but uh the you know if you read what thomas says he says this should have been clear all along uh pay attention this time so yeah exactly well yeah. and and that's what's interesting is that this is really mostly common sense reading stuff of what the framers intended and how we got to this position it's good to see that we're actually trying to peel back a little bit on it and uh but some states still reticent, and we're going to get into that here in just a second, and we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about all those different things. So I appreciate you coming on. Hold the line for me for just a second, Jacob. Sure. Uh, Jacob Sullum, senior editor from Reason Magazine, uh, going to be continuing with us here in just a hot second. If you would, and you haven't yet, would you please like and share this video on Facebook? Would you like and share the video on YouTube? Also, subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. Do the, all the youtube things there, would you? And we'll uh, we'll get things going on. And if you're on Twitch TV, good morning, and like and follow there as well. All right, let's uh, jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. All right, welcome back to the program. Getting ready to dive into it now. Our first guest of the show this morning is the senior editor at Reason Magazine, Jacob Sellum. He's written a couple of critically acclaimed books. He's got a weekly column. Uh, he's uh, done a lot of stuff, but he writes, I follow him almost exclusively at Reason Magazine, where he's been following a lot of great stuff, specifically the Supreme Court's decision in the New York v. Bruin case, which, of course, is going to go up there with Heller and McDonald as one of the biggest wins for uh, Second Amendment rights in, uh, well, in American history. And uh, he's also been covering the reaction by states who are specifically mentioned in the decision uh, as to what they're doing in there. Jacob Sullivan joins us uh, right now uh, to discuss it. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Good, good, good. As long as you're staying uh, cold, cool and dry down there in Texas in all that heat. so As long as the air conditioning holds up, we should be okay. Exactly. As long as you don't have the California rolling blackouts, you'll be fine. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about this. This case came out, and it specifically mentions six case, uh, case, uh, states rather that have the same May-issue standards— um, but there are actually even more than that. There's more like nine states that have those in varying forms. But specifically, those six states were called out by the, by the courts in, uh, in basically having a flawed concealed carry system. And the reactions from the various states has been very interesting to watch. You've broken this down and gone through it. Give us some background here and, uh, and explain what's going on in the various states. Well, I mean, the law that was at issue in that case was New York's law, which required that people applying for carry permits show they have proper cause to exercise the right to bear arms. Uh, there are five other states that have similar requirements where they basically want you, you to justify uh, your permit by giving a good enough reason. And a good enough reason 
is not I want to defend myself in case I, you know, a, right. a criminal tries to attack me. That's not good enough. It has to be it's a heightened showing. Right. So right. basically, the, the the practical implication is that the vast, the vast majority of people are not going to get permits. Some some privileged few, maybe they have connections, maybe they're famous, maybe they're wealthy, uh, may get permits. But but for most people, even though they're law abiding and they do they meet all the objective criteria, they're not going to get a permit. So that 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 was the case by the Supreme Court's count. That was the situation in in half a dozen states. But as you mentioned, there are a few more states where they don't they're not focused on you on your reason so much as you. And they have subjective standards for whether you are a good enough person to to get a carry permit. And so the, the good moral character is one of the standards, which New York also had. Um, and then suitability. Are you a suitable person? Like uh, a couple of states have that standard. Right. So the question is, what does that mean? And if that is also a subjective standard, um, then it raises the same problem as as proper cause does, uh, meaning that you can't be sure that you, even if you meet the objective criteria, you may still be rejected. Right. So, so, I, so to me, this is the same, essentially the same problem, although it's, it's clear that it's going to have to go through another round of litigation because the Supreme Court was specifically addressing, you know, uh, the state's requirements in terms of your motivation to get right, uh, uh, get right. a carry permit as opposed to your personal qualities. Now, if you say good moral character and all it means in practice is that. You know, you're not a violent person. You haven't had any incidents to suggest that you're irresponsible. Um, you know, that might be not a big deal. But uh, in New York, for example, they got rid of proper cause in response to uh, the Supreme Court's decision. But they retained good moral character. They created a new definition of it, which basically means it means that that you're the sort of person who can be trusted with a gun right that's not very not very right, helpful right. and then they added that it among the things we're going to consider we want you to give us four letters at least four letters of reference um but uh, we also want to know about all your social media accounts what right yes right. they want to look at, at your social media posts because they're trying to figure out are you uh, a, a person of good moral character and uh, well that opens a whole new can of worms now not just second amendment issues but first amendment issues if you express yourself uh, on political issues in an intemperate way right does that make you a person of bad moral character maybe if you get a new gun and you're really excited about it and you talk about that on social media might that make you look like you you lack good moral character maybe right so who knows it's up to it's going to be up to the interpretation of of the local officials who are who are processing these applications right um and uh, in california meanwhile they had a similar standard good cause i believe uh so they had to, they recognized they had to get rid of that they couldn't demand good cause anymore um but they still have good moral character as a requirement. And according to the attorney general in California, Rob Bonta, uh, that he agrees that that uh, inquiry includes looking at things like your social media posts to see if, for example, you might be racist or bigoted. <laughs> Or or dis dishonest, uh, right? You know, various things that, that might be, you know, very uh, uh, bad qualities you might have that could be indicated by the opinions you express. And again, this is a huge, you know, First Amendment issue in addition to being a Second Amendment issue. So that's that's the one thing is that they're switching between different kinds of subjective standards, right? Which uh, they but, but, which they decide and bureaucrats enforce. 
uh, based on, you know, broad interpretation. And as you say, this is another system that just begs for abuse of the well-connected or the famous or the well-heeled to be able to smooth the tracks on something like this, whereas your average Joe now has to go to the government, again, to the government hat in hand to ask to exercise those rights. And, and again, have being under, under very subjective laws as to whether or not they are good people. Right. And then the second issue is uh, the other thing they did in New York uh, was that they created a long, long list of places where you're not allowed to have a gun, even right. if you are a permit holder. Right. You got to read this list to believe it because now it depends where you live. But if you live in New York City, you basically cannot carry a gun, even if you have a permit. No. Because, because you're going to be going across all these different uh, locations that where where guns are prohibited, uh, which you know it, it's all kinds of things like um, uh, zoos, parks, uh, you know, schools, of course, and government buildings, which you might expect, but uh, public transportation, um, right? So the subway, right. state subway stations, churches, uh, bus right. stations, churches, uh, ch churches, yeah. restaurants with liquor licenses, bars. Um, unless they don't have liquor licenses, we you don't see you don't see a lot of those. Right, um, right. And and um, uh, you know even public sidewalks, uh, uh, guns can be banned from public sidewalks depending upon whether they're having a street fair there. Which you, you know if you, I just used to live in Manhattan and they have those there like every weekend. So right, <laughs> you, right. Know, you have to right. <clears throat> so so there are all of these opportunities for you to commit a felony that could send you to prison for uh I think it's up to four years. Um because you have you even though you're a permit holder, you're carrying a gun in the wrong place. And right. uh and the other other sweeping uh category is every business open to the public is presumptively gun free. Right. Every other every other business is not named. Right. So if you're not um, if it's, you're not a museum or a zoo or a restaurant or a bar or uh, uh, a theater or, you know, any kind of entertainment venue or gambling venue, if you don't belong to one of those specific categories or some other kind of business, uh, guns are still prohibited there unless you explicitly say they're allowed with big conspicuous signs. Right. Which now, is I, 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 <laughs> I know I'm just I read this and I'm shaking my head like because in Alaska, we are, you know, we're, we're constitutional carry and everything else. And a business can post a sign that said concealed carry not allowed. Right. But so it's exactly the opposite. So in this case, it's the presumption that it's banned everywhere unless the business is willing to stick their neck out and say, you can bring guns in here. And, and, you know, and a lot of business people, uh, even if they are otherwise okay with, with, uh, you know, armed self-defense are, are going to be disinclined to do that because they're afraid of alienating customers who feel differently. Right. That's understandable. Right. So you, you don't, it doesn't have to be an anti-gun fanatic who, you know, who owns a particular store, let's say he may just think it's more trouble than it's worth to, to stick his neck out. Um, so that, that's, and of course that's expected, right? Basically what New York is doing is saying, okay, we'll follow your, we'll follow your rule. Right. Uh, but, but, uh, what, we're going to make it easier for people to get permits, but then they can't, they can't actually use them <laughs> to, you know, at right. least not in dense urban areas. Now there right. may be other places, you know, if you travel long distances through rural right. areas in your own car, then you can carry your gun with you, but there are going to be a lot of situations where it's, it's, it's legally perilous. And remember to leave, this your, is... to leave home with it right. because you don't know, you know, you think you're going to go a certain place, right? You could think you have a clear path <laughs> that you're taking between one place where it's from, uh, permitted to another place where it's permitted, but maybe you're going to cross a zone where it's, where you're committing a felony. So, so best to just leave it at home, probably. Right. Uh, so that, is, so, so they're, uh, you know, saying uh, that that 
you can have the permit, but it's not very useful anymore. Right. Um, and, and California um, has a bill that would do essentially the same thing. It has a big long list of places where guns are explicitly prohibited, even for permit holders. And that also creates this presumption that everywhere else it's also prohibited unless there's a sign up you know, saying that it's permitted. Right, exactly. Now, remember, New York is the st- the state and the city of stop and frisk. So people, somebody said, well, it's concealed. How would they know? No one could see it. Well, remember, they were frisking everybody uh, all the time, of course, you know, to try and stop crime. So you could be concealed 100%, but if they just don't like the cut of your jib, the next thing you know, you're a felon because they found you in a prohibited zone with a concealed carry regardless of whether you had a permit. It just, I mean, doesn't make it worth it kind of thing. This is just their way of basically skirting and writing the law around the SCOTUS decision. Yes, and, and and like I said, it's going to require more litigation because the state will say, you never specifically said <laughs> that we couldn't do this. And it's true. And um, and there is. And they will also cite uh, the reference in, in Heller, the right. two, you know, 2008 uh, case, uh, to uh, a tradition of ban, yeah. uh, not just reasonable regulation, but specifically they mentioned uh, banning guns from sensitive locations. And the examples right. they gave were schools and government buildings. Right. And so New York is saying, you said sensitive place. We're just going to make every place a sensitive place. <laughs> and you said you said this was OK. So right, that's right. going to be that's going to be their argument. Right. It, so, so obviously there's if the number of designated sensitive places proliferates to the extent that you, in practice, you can't really uh, carry arms for self-defense. Then that, that seems clearly unconstitutional. But the question is at what point does that happen? Right. Right. How long does the list have to be? So that's going to have to be, uh, you know, figured out in litigation. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And of course, New York and California are two of the biggest culprits, but you've got Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey. Each one has had a different reaction to this. Um, And we're going to get into that here in just a second. And we'll talk about that. Plus, the latest case filed now by the Firearms Policy Coalition. Jacob has written about this as well. We're going to continue here in just a second. And uh, we'll continue to talk with Jacob Selim. From Reason Magazine. Uh, We'll be back with more in just a moment. It is Firearms Friday, your chance to sound off and hear about issues of the Second Amendment nature. We'll be back with more in Jacob Sullum right after these messages. What is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. This is almost such a predictable dance, uh, Jacob, um, that the Supreme Court comes out and the states immediately are like, oh, well, we'll just we'll just waltz around this whole thing with uh, with some of this stuff. I mean, it, it it's very obvious that they don't want to give up the power and control over this issue, even though, uh, you know, it's it's blatantly and, and obviously unconstitutional. It's just it's like a delaying tactic at this point. Right. I mean, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it painful for law abiding citizens to try and do this because they figure, hey, they're going to have to fight us in court anyway. We've got the deep pockets. We can do whatever we want. We'll just keep dragging our feet on it. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And um, and and basically it, it's sort of contradictory what they're what they're doing, because um, their claim is they're vetting people. Right. That's the whole point of having permits. Right. right? right. And before they had people who were vetted and, and they were allowed to carry 
if they actually got the permit, they were allowed to carry in all these locations. But now that that uh, you know they had to change their their get rid of the the, the uh, good cause or proper cause uh, demand. Um, the people are still being vetted, but they're saying suddenly they can't be trusted in all of these exactly. locations. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's hard to hard to reconcile that um, if they're if they're, um, you know, doing a good job of screening people. And the only thing they've changed is, you know, the, the motivation for carrying doesn't, you know, can be a, a standard self-defense motivation. It doesn't have to be anything special. Right. Um, you know, they're you know, I, from their perspective. They're imagining just many more people out there with guns, and that's terrifying to them. So, so that's the, basically, and they're going to tr- try to keep the number of people with guns in public down just by prohibiting them from be- from being in particular locations. That's right, right, right. And and again, what is the what's the possibility that people are going to exercise those rights, uh, get the concealed carry permit, and then you know walk around again the, with the threat of it being a felony, even for a concealed carry. This is not like a warning. This is like you get the you get you go to the big house for this kind of stuff. People are not going to you know they're not gonna they're not gonna tempt fate. They're not gonna. To, to press that. And that's exactly the kind of suppression that places like New York and California are looking for, to keep those people off the street with their firearms, uh, ostensibly because those law-abiding citizens are a danger in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and, and you know, and if you look at the data on on permit holders in other states, um, you know, how many, how often do they commit crimes? How often do they get into, you know, one of these disputes that you always hear about in hypotheticals, right? There's a, you, you know, road rage or some other, uh, other dispute. It escalates into deadly violence because somebody happened to have a gun. He happened to be a permit holder that almost never happens. Right. And, and, uh, if you look at, uh, the records of people, with permit holders, uh, they're very rarely get their uh, permits revoked, uh, for, for that sort of bad behavior. Right. Um, and their, you know, rates of their crime rates are lower than the general population, which well, makes sense because they've been, you know, they've right. been cleared and vetted to some extent, uh, even in, you know, shell issue states, they've gone through background checks and they had to undergo the firearms training probably. And they, you know, there may be other objective requirements as well. So it's what you would expect. Well, Dr. John Lott, who's been a guest on this program many times, has actually broken that down and said that concealed carry permit holders statistically are less likely to to commit a crime than even police officers. Yeah, I saw that. I was just reading um, something he wrote yesterday uh, to that effect. Yeah, I mean, it's it's insane. I mean, we are they are less likely to commit a crime than actual police officers, and yet they're treating them like these people have got the plague or something and that they're just, as soon as you get a gun, you're immediately going to go on some kind of rampage, you know, or you, you're going to, you're going to exhibit criminal tendencies. And we know that that's statistically not the case. And, and when uh, a reporter uh, from, I think it was the Albany TV station asked Kathy Hochul about that, you know, what, please explain the data underlying this premise (laughs) that that permit holders are going to be a public menace. That's, you know, it's a logical question. Right. And first of all, Huckle was completely unprepared for the question. It's like, this is the basic, your whole basic argument is right. Right. This is a threat to public safety. And so what's the empirical basis for that? She had nothing. 
Yeah, well, she Nothing. said we don't need to show it, right? Isn't that what she said? Something she like- said we don't we don't need no no stinking data. Uh, she said, yeah, I don't need data because I, I have an obligation to protect uh, you know the people of New York and, and <laughs> Wait a promote second. public safety. I don't need data. and that's yeah, I don't need a, I don't need no stinking data. Um, yeah, I mean it's almost literally. She didn't say stinking, but uh, she said I don't need I don't need data. I don't need data points. I don't need numbers. Yeah, you know? I just I've why, made why the decision. Would you base, Based public policy on on evidence that you know, exactly I've never never even it, it's just you know audacious of you to suggest such a thing. Right, you filthy um, peasants! <laughs> I've spoken. That's enough, right? I mean, that's what you're looking for at this point. Yeah, when I read that, I was like, "What?" She just no, we don't need it. You know, you'll just do what we say, or else. Essentially, is what it came down to. Um, all right, um, Jacob Selim is our guest. We're 30 seconds away from rejoining uh, right now and uh, getting ready to jump into it. Like it share this video if you would like and share like and follow the show page as well do all the youtubey things and make sure that you uh yep uh, make sure that you uh, uh follow along and keep us in the loop let's get to it the michael duke show common sense liberty based free thinking re- follow the science exactly exactly follow the science until it doesn't work out for you here we go All right, we're back now, continuing with Jacob Sullum from Reason Magazine. We've been talking about New York's reaction and California's reaction to the Supreme Court decision in regards to their concealed carry laws and how they blatantly are essentially rewriting the law to just skirt around what the Supreme Court said in an attempt to hold things uh, hold things back. And we were just talking during the break, in fact, about Kathy Holchel and her, um, and her new laws, and she got asked a question because we were talking about the actual crime rates among concealed carry permit holders, because that's what they seem to act like. They seem to act like, well, these concealed carry permit holders, they're a real threat to society. And as we know on this program from talking with Dr. John Lott and others, that uh, concealed carry permit holders are actually the least likely to commit crimes, less so than even police officers. Um, it was interesting to see a, a news reporter ask the governor, Kathy Holchel, what was the data on this? And her reaction, Jacob, was basically, data? We don't need no stinking data. You do what we say, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, almost in so many words. She said, I don't, I, I don't need numbers. I don't need a data point because um, I have a duty to protect public safety and protect the people of New York. And my, right. so my, my good intentions are enough to validate my policy. I don't need any actual evidence. Right, exactly. I mean, we're here to, you filthy peasants, just do what we said and, and get with the program. But it's not just California and New York. And in fact, there were four other states, plus more states that have um, not just the May issue, but have very, very similar. But the six were mentioned. So let's talk a little bit about New Jersey, Massachusetts, Maryland, Hawaii, Delaware, Connecticut. What else have these folks been doing in light of the recent court decision? So in New Jersey, the attorney general, the acting attorney general, he promptly said you cannot require what a justifiable need. That's that was their right. their standard. Uh, clearly. I mean, and that's a clear implication of Bruin. You can't do that anymore. So that's to their credit. And I don't believe that they uh have other subjective criteria. You have to go through background checks and and uh, you know firearms training. So I think New Jersey, in that respect, is okay. Um, Hawaii also 
somewhat belatedly, this is just last, I think, last Thursday, the uh, attorney general there said uh, that police could no longer require carry permit applicants to show that they are an exceptional case with a reason to fear injury, right, to person or property. So they have dropped that. Um, and then let's see what else. We have Massachusetts. They had a similarly uh, vague standard, good reason. Um, and the attorney general there said, you can't require that anymore, but they still have, um, uh, let's see, uh, sustainability, um, suitability, that's suitability. suitability. So you have to be a suitable person to possess firearms in Massachusetts. And the question is what, what does that mean? Um, and it, and the, if you look at the statute, it says, well, if there's reliable and credible information that the applicant has exhibited or engaged in behavior that suggests a risk to public safety, then the application can be denied. So maybe that's okay. It depends with what they mean by that, right? But then it also has other factors indicating that, that he poses a risk. What that is, who knows? So that is potentially open-ended. It's certainly not objective, um, but it depends on how it's interpreted in practice. Right. Um, and then, uh, let's see, Rhode Island has a sort of bifurcated system where the, you can get a permit either from the attorney general or from a local law enforcement agency. And if you get it from the attorney general, it's a may issue standard. He may issue a carry permit based on a proper showing of the, well, that seems very clearly unconstitutional under Bruin. If you get it from a local uh, law enforcement agency, it says shall issue. Right. Right. But then it's shall issue if <laughs> if it appears the applicant is a suitable person to be licensed and either has good reason to fear an injury to his or her person or property or has another proper reason for carrying a gun. So that is combining the shell issue language with these subjective standards, which seem very similar to what the court overturned in Bruin. Um, and at this point, it looks like uh the governor and the attorney general are inclined to argue that this their law is different enough from New York's that they don't really need to do anything. Right. So if that's if that's the stance they take, there's going to need to be yeah, additional litigation. It's a wait there. and see. Right. Exactly. Um, so that kind of leads us over to uh, the kind of. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I forgot to mention Maryland. Oh, oh OK. There's <laughs> another state where, where they now they actually have a Republican governor. Uh, of course, Massachusetts does too. But uh, and they uh, they also they got, they scrapped their their standard, which was good and substantial reason, and that was it. That's all that they've said so far. And the governor governor issued a statement about respecting um, Second Amendment rights, and which was you know sort of encouraging. Um, and I think the, yeah we've, oh, we we didn't mention Delaware, did we? No, we didn't mention Delaware. <laughs> Delaware. Um, uh, they have a now they don't have. Um, the proper cause or good cause kind of standard, but they require that the applicant demonstrate good moral character. So that's like the standard they have in New York and California, but I have good reputation for peace and good order, which may or may not amount to the same thing. Um, and uh, the national shooting sports foundation, which has been tracking this says that their Delaware officials are taking a wait and see attitude, which again means uh, if you want to change the law, sue us, <laughs> that's probably not going to happen without, without litigation. Yeah, and I think that's what it's going to come down to is it's going to come down to litigation on each and every one of these cases, which are long and drawn out and painful and, and may go back to the courts, et cetera. Um, but that actually leads us to our uh, uh, last uh, topic for today, which, of course, is that has now begun. The Firearms Policy Coalition has filed a suit in the state of New York 
um, uh, to start challenging some of these things, including, um, uh, you know, we're seeing a flurry of lawsuits, but this one in New York is big because it is the New York assault weapons ban. So let's talk about that. Uh, the firearms policy is saying, um, no, this is common use. Common use is pretty, pretty, uh, that's the big portion of the Heller decision. And it's pretty obvious when you've got millions and millions and millions of Americans exercising their right with an AR-15 that it is common use. And that's that's the crux of their argument in this case. Right. And the, the crucial, no, that was, like you said, that was what Heller said. They said the, the, yeah. the Second Amendment applies to weapons in common use for lawful, lawful purposes. Exactly. Um, and it's very hard to argue that the guns they describe as assault weapons are not in common use for lawful purposes, um, given how how popular they are, given the fact that they are rarely used in crimes. So what's go, you know what what are they being used for? <laughs> right, right. If they're rarely used in crimes. That means that they're mainly used for lawful purposes, and they're clearly in common use. Now the change that Bruin made was, or or the you know clarification that Bruin added was that. Uh, the courts cannot approach these issues the way they generally have been, which is, they call it a two-step analytical framework, right? In step one, you say, does this law impinge on the Second Amendment? Um, And then in step two, you decide what level of scrutiny to apply, and then you apply that. Um, And what they generally will do is, in step one, they'll say, it does implicate the Second Amendment, or we're not sure it implicates the Second Amendment. Let's assume it implicates the Second Amendment. Let's go to step two. And then in step two, they inevitably say, uh, you know, it's, you know, so just assuming, assuming that the, this involves the Second Amendment, right, um, the burden is not that severe. So we're going to apply intermediate scrutiny. Now, intermediate scrutiny is supposed to require that that you are serving a compelling uh, government interest. Now, you know, preventing violent crime is a compelling government interest. But then you also have to have means that are substantially, uh, you know, connected to that uh, goal. Right. Um, And and so uh, at, at that step. All the courts almost uniformly say, "Good enough." They just, you know, the go- the government said, "These the, here's the reason we passed the law. Here's why we think it's going to promote public safety." And they stated reasons, that, and that's good enough. That's basically what happens. And the Supreme Court made it very clear you can't do that anymore. Right. The, the intermediate scrutiny, intermediate scrutiny on a fundamental right is not enough. It has to be a higher level. And that's what well, they've been talking about for years. Yeah. So they, they yeah, it's not even that it's strict scrutiny. They say what you do is you say, first of all, is this the conduct that's regulated here? Is it, you know, fa- does it fall under the plain language of the Second Amendment? Right. So, you know, owning owning guns, that's, you know, keeping guns is clearly covered by uh, the Second Amendment. And given that, it's now incumbent upon the government to show that their law is analogous to historical precedents, suggesting that it's consistent with uh, the traditional understanding of the right to keep and bear arms, right? So so if you are going to either ban a certain kind of uh, weapon or a certain kind of magazine, um, or you're going to impose you know, uh, restrictions on, on public carry or whatever, you have to show that there are historical, this is historical evidence showing this is consistent with how the right to keep and bear arms, bear arms was understood 
you know, well, when the Second Amendment was ratified, but then also uh, when the 14th Amendment was ratified, because that made it applicable uh, to, to the states. states right. um, and so what that means, and getting back to the assault weapon ban in New York, is that you can't do what the Second Circuit did in that case, which was precisely what I just you know described. Uh, uh, you know, they said, yeah, assault weapons, they're in common use. They couldn't really deny that because, you know, they're so popular. Um, but then they're like, we're not sure. Yeah. Uh, we're not yeah. sure that it's for lawful purposes. You know, there's not enough evidence. Now, let's just assume that it is. And then and then they just did, you know, what I described, which is to say that, um, you know, New York thinks this will promote public safety. And who are we to second guess that? We right. should be you know, deferential to the legislature. They're, you know, much better suited to make these kinds of policy calls than we are. We're not going to impose our judgment on them, on them and, and so on. And so they upheld the law. And so what firearm policy firearms policy coalition is saying is that uh you can't do that right you have to take the you have to take the approach the the supreme court described and and so one way of doing that one defense that new york would now have in this new round of litigation is to say these are dangerous and unusual weapons which again it flies right in the face of a commonly used (laughs) firearm exactly Exactly. so so that's going to be a problem for them for exactly that reason and in fact the second circuit in the in the case this was in 2015 when they upheld the law they briefly considered that that claim are you know are these so-called assault weapons dangerous and unusual and they're like well on the one hand they're they're kind of like these military weapons so maybe they're unusual but on the other hand other hand uh they're uh uh, the civilian version. So the fact that they even call it a civilian version suggests that it's appropriate for civilian ownership and so whatever. So we're not gonna we're not gonna resolve that. But man, so New York is gonna make that argument now. Yeah, uh, and it's gonna it's gonna be a hold the hold the line, Jacob. Uh, Jacob Selim, our guest, Reason Magazine, folks. We're out of time. Hour two, dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Thank you, Jacob Selim. Sorry, Jacob. I was oh, I lost Jacob uh, right off the top there. Uh, Jacob Selim, Reason Magazine, uh, had a hard, uh, had a hard break that I got to hit on there. Let me send him a, let me send him a text message, uh, and, uh, uh, do that. Uh, hard, uh, break at top of hour. Okay. All right. Uh, Jacob Selim, Reason Magazine. <clears throat> You guys have been awful quiet this morning. Um, follow the science. I still love that, uh, Brian. Um, cops are belligerent when stopping people with permits, even when those people are not carrying, says Chris on Twitch. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been known to happen. It's been known that uh, concealed uh, permit holders who are obeying the law to the nth degree um, are getting more scrutiny, it seems like, than, than many others. Um, let's see. Um, I think New York and the other six states should secede, says uh, Jeannie. Well, good luck with that. Um, I don't want to adult today, says Bill. Do I have to adult? Yes. Yes, Bill. You have to adult today. What is with my, uh, my volume, my vault. Hold a second here. Hold on just one second. My volume has been uh, messed up all day long. All right, maybe that's uh, is that a little better? No, so my vault, my there we go. How's that? Maybe. 
I don't know. My volume has just been uh, kind of funky all morning. There we go. Finally. Finally. I don't know what's happening, but uh, I think this mixer is starting to get a little old. <laughs> I have been using it nonstop every day for seven years. Are you telling me it's about to break? Is that what you're trying to tell me here? Um, all right. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Mm, all right. Um, you're listening. You're listening. Uh, how about we vote them off the continent today? That was to, I think, to Jeannie's comment about how the six states should secede. You know, leave them on the continent if they want. They could be islands of liberalism amongst the regular other stuff. I got loud all of a sudden. Yeah, I don't know what the deal was. The volume was like all over the place. I've been riding the I've been riding the knob all day, um, and uh, now it seems to have. I need to take this thing apart and try and fix it up a little bit. Oh, okay. Well, I'm ready for the weekend. I don't know about you, but I got uh, I got plenty. Uh, no, uh, just uh, the uh, okay. Um, all right. So if you guys are ready to continue here, what else do I got? I got some other stories that I was going to be talking about. Um, the assault weapons ban. No California's failed laws shouldn't be replicated. That's another one that uh, we can cover as well. Uh, and we're going to open up the phone lines here in the next segment uh, before we get to Chris Chang, Tabja Javian from Season 4. He's going to be joining us. We're going to be talking with him about many different things. That's what we're going to be doing right now. Um, yeah. And uh, we're going to tell him to feel free to call in a little early if you'd like. Um, all right. Wow. But now I can hear my keyboard. Uh, my It's really loud. Um, okay. All right. Uh, need to throw some lead down range real bad, says Jimmy. Uh, yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I would love to do that, but I am just, I, I, and this is the same reasoning that I've been giving the last couple of years. <clears throat> I can't afford to throw lead down range because I can't afford to replace the lead that I got. That's the, that's the part, that's the, that's the crux of the matter, right? I've got lead. I can throw down range right now. I just can't afford to replace it. I mean, remember, it was uh, it wasn't not too many years ago that I could buy a thousand rounds of Russian ammo for less than a uh, hundred dollars a box, and now it's like four or five hundred. I mean, I, I should have invested back in the day. I should have bought a trailer load, you know. Um, so it's uh, I, I just I don't even I just don't even know at this point. Um, all right, uh, let's see here. Oh, I don't even know what else to talk about. I mean, this whole thing with the with the, the Supreme Court case is so huge. It's going to have so many. Um, it's going to have so many uh, ramifications on this. Uh, the rest of the the laws out there, I just don't even know to say. Um, watch the latest Colion Noir about the pending legislation that require gun store personnel to make a decision as to if a person might pose a risk to themselves or others. I'll have to watch that. I haven't, uh, I caught one of Colion's, uh, uh, 
uh, videos early last week, but I haven't really had a chance to get uh, caught up um, on that uh, in the last week or so. So I'm going to have to do that. Russian ammo is depleted, says Chris. I don't know. I haven't looked. I haven't tried to buy any in a while, but the last time I went out to look, um, uh, the last time I went out to look, it was $389 a thousand or something. And, um, it's, a it's, it's a tough, it's a tough, uh, deal. Been substituting with some 177 caliber, no boom, still get a nice ring from the target. I like shooting like 22 and 177. Um, it is gratifying to hear it ring some steel. That's for sure. Uh, all right. <clears throat> we're going to, um, we're going to jump back into this here and get things going on. Uh, we've got Chris Chang coming up in this hour. We're going to open up the phone lines. We're going to do all that and more. The Michael Duke show common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio. Make sure you like and share and follow. Make sure that you ring the bell, subscribe on YouTube and ring the bell. Back with more right after this. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. B -b -b Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. Michael Kinshaw. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Where's my rifle? Where's my gun? This is for Biden. This is for Firearms Friday. Firearms Friday. Your chance to sound off on issues of a Second Amendment nature. Right here on the big radio program. Hour two of the show today. Hour one went by. Oof. Lickety split. If you missed it, it was a great conversation with Jacob Sullum from Reason Magazine, um, who was talking about the Supreme Court decision and the ramifications and how the various states are reacting to it right now. Uh, too long, don't read is not great. It's been six states were specifically called out in the Supreme Court decision for having a May issue status on their concealed carry laws. And basically, the Supreme Court said, uh -uh, that's unconstitutional. You can't do that. And so they are uh, instituting a variety of schemes to try and end run that, which, of course, they're all going to end up in court and they're eventually going to, you know, but the government, remember, the government that uh, takes those rights away. Um, and uh, they do not want to give back. Once they have instituted something, they do not give up that power easily. 
So don't uh, don't forget that. Um, all right. In this hour of the program, uh, we've got Chris Chang, the Top Shot champions from season four of Top Shot, who's going to be joining us uh, here shortly uh, in about uh, 12 uh, minutes or so. Uh, meanwhile, I'm going to open up the phone lines. I know a couple of you tried to call during my interview with Jacob, uh, and of course, uh, I didn't want to interrupt the interview to do that and take the phone calls, but open line gun Q&A right now. So if you would like to sound off, we'd love to hear what you have to say. This hour of the program, by the way, being brought to you by our friends over there at Pivotel. Uh, and Satellite West. Uh, uh, just go over to the Satellite West call-in line if you would like to sound off 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. Again, uh, sponsored by our friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com. Um, um, and I appreciate that. Thanks, Ken. Um all right, we uh, are going to open up those lines now. And in fact, I just wanted to make sure that the phone lines are actually up, and, and they are actually up and running. So phone lines are ready, and if you would like to sound off, we'd love to. Uh, um, uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, some of the other stories that are going on around right now uh, is, you know, some of these ideas that what we really need to do is have California-style gun laws. I, I suppose we could ask somebody like Chris Chang what he really feels about that because we keep seeing a lot of these commentaries on California and how they have one of the lowest uh, gun rates, uh, you know, uh, rates of gun homicide in the country and everything else. And it's only because of their new gun laws that or their new and old gun laws that they have that ability. Um, and, uh, of course that's a cherry picking of the data, uh, because you could look at places like Illinois that has a much greater, uh, that has a, a, a the same type of gun laws. It has a much greater homicide rate. You could look at very, very pro gun States like Utah, Idaho, Iowa, Wyoming, North Dakota, Maine, all have lower co- uh, homicide rates than in California. But you know they continue to pick. Uh, they continue to pick through and say this is why we need California gun laws. That's one of the stories uh, we could get into. Um, but I think overall, I just want to hear from you guys today on your thoughts on this Supreme Court decision because I think, I think personally, this is a pivotal moment. Um, this is the this is the pivotal moment for gun ownership in America and in this fight that I have been in my entire adult life. Now, the fight's not over. I don't um um I don't I don't want to uh, you know, I'm not saying that this is the that this is the end or even that the end's in sight. But this is a very this has been a very decisive battle um in um in the in the war on uh gun rights. And I'm very very happy to I'm very very happy to see it and I'm hoping that this is the beginning of a uh, uh, that this is the beginning of a movement to try and uh, rearm and re-educate Americans um Sean in the chat room Sean Thorne just said repeal the NFA I couldn't agree I couldn't agree more the National Firearms Act should be repealed the Firearms Owners Protection Act should be repealed. The Gun Control Act of 1968 should be repealed. There should all of those are quite honestly a major infringement 
on gun rights in America. And if the and if and if Roe v. Wade, the Roe v. Wade decision has uh, has proven anything, it is the fact that what what really should happen is that those laws should be left to the states to try and suss out and decide, and then we can decide the constitutionality of them on a state by state basis instead of having these national. Uh, the national framework uh, for that kind of stuff. But yes, I would agree, Sean. I would like to see the NFA repealed specifically. Um, And I think, you know, that's the, that's the proof. Uh, I mean, criminals are going to do bad things, people. I mean, look, look at what happened in Japan recently. You saw that uh, the former prime minister Abe was killed uh, on the street by an assassin with a zip gun. Basically, a homemade shotgun um, in a place where they keep touting is why Japan is just so, you know, they're so civilized and they don't even have guns and everything. And yet you see exactly what happens. Bad people, when they've decided to do bad things, are going to do bad things. That's just the bottom line. They're going to do bad things. It doesn't get, doesn't change anything. Um, but you know, the average person being able to defend themselves or being able to exercise a fundamental right, those are important. That's an important stuff. Let's go over to the phones and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Hello, Randy. What's on your mind? Well, I I wish I had tuned into the whole show. I tuned in only five minutes before the top of the hour to hear that guy from Reason Magazine talking, sounded very interesting. I caught what he said about something he said, something about the 14th Amendment, you know, or the Second Amendment. What I gathered, what he said was that Mm -hmm. the Second Amendment applied just to the federal government, to the Congress, until the 14th Amendment. And uh, is that what he said? Yeah, basically he was saying the 14th Amendment basically was spreading the effect of the Second Amendment across the states, essentially. It is the, you know, it... uh, you know, basically uh, yeah. pushing it across those those. Uh, uh, it, it's about citizenship, but it basically the effect was is that these rights are basically in effect in all the states at the time. Yeah, yeah, I, that that was my impression that the Bill of Rights didn't really apply to the to the uh, to the um, states. They could kind of do what they wanted to do, but just right. that the federal government, you know, Congress shall pass no law. Right, and I kind of agree with that. Because I'm a supporter of uh, states' rights, and so I got mixed feelings about this latest uh, Supreme Court decision, particularly the also the one that came before that, you know, a few years ago that uh, incorporated the Second right. Amendment to apply to all the states, you know, the incorporation doctrine, I guess it is. Um, so I'm, I've just got mixed feelings about it. I, I would have been just as happy as if they did not pass this particular thing. Uh, because look at Vermont, they're way over on the East Coast, way left wing and everything, even elected Bernie Sanders. But yet they had the gumption and the know-how and the smarts to to uh, have a, uh, a universal carry law for everybody. And I wish that uh, states that are real bad, like New York, w- that people in that state would just keep working on it and convince their fellow citizens and, and get the well, the problem- rights that they're supposed to have. Yeah, the problem is the problem is Randy is that the uh, is that the places like New York were not allowing their citizens to exercise their civil rights at all, 
And that was the whole point of the Supreme Court case, is allowing them to exercise those rights uh, in, a, in a legitimate fashion and not place bars and burdens on them to be able to exercise a fundamental Bill of Rights protected rights. Um, that's, that was the whole point of it. Uh, Randy, thank you for your call. Uh, hey, phone has rang, and guess what? Chris Chang, Top Shot Champion Season 4, joins us this morning to talk about the good news uh, of what's going on out there. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing this morning? Hey, good morning. I am doing wonderful, and thanks, as always, for having me. Well, as always, it's good to speak with you. So you and I haven't spoken since uh, since the good news. I feel like I'm proselytizing, <laughs> but it's uh, the, the good news from the Supreme Court. Um, and uh, I just I want to get your hot take on it here, but we're going to commercial break here in a few minutes. But I wanted to get your hot take on it to begin with. Yeah, at a high level, clearly, this is uh, one of the most consequentially positive decisions for the Second Amendment that's been made uh, in over a decade. Last decision we saw from the Supreme Court on the Second Amendment was back in 2008 with the Heller decision. And this uh, this Bruin decision that you know just came down uh, is going to have sweeping consequences for CCW applicants and uh, after the break, I have a personal story to tell you and listeners, though, about my own experience here in San Francisco. Oh, the good. The CCW application process. Yeah, because, I mean, this is, you know, it wasn't just New York that was affected by this. It was, uh, and we've got about, we got about four or five minutes here, so if you want to share it. But it wasn't just New York. I mean, the, the court specifically called out six states that had may issue schemes in their concealed carry permits and said, these are all a problem, people. You need to fix this. And California was, of course, one of the biggest culprits as well on that. Uh, what was your experience going through it? Yeah, you know, so uh, it, it's been interesting because in California, a lot of counties have they, you know, the chief law enforcement officer of a county has discretion over whether to use shall issue or the may issue paradigm. And so before the Bruin Supreme Court decision, a lot of California counties uh, actually changed to the shall issue paradigm. But, you know, this is all left to the subjectivity of the local sheriff or right. uh, chief of police. Right. And here in San Francisco City, and we're also uh, San Francisco County, the uh, the sheriff's department has retained the May issue paradigm. And so, you know, I uh, started my CCW application process here in uh, San Francisco um, about a week and a half ago. And let me tell you, they're already putting up road bumps and trying to block this and slow it down. And, uh, you know, th this was anticipated by a lot of gun rights advocates that we, we sort of realized that even in the most fortuitous decision uh, on the Bruin case, which happened, right, we, we got the most favorable decision, but there's still a lot of things that local governments can do to to block, delay, and, and and you know slow down and confuse, and also increase costs right right for the CCW process right. So you know for me we're we're now running into a uh, not only a, a sort of a due process issue but it's the San Francisco Sheriff's Department is basically impeding my ability to exercise my my civil right, but they won't even let me apply for my CCW without having an appointment. And now <laughs> how does one get an appointment? 
well, you just go on some list and I have no idea how long it's going to take for them to even see me because uh, there's this form that needs to be signed in person. So um, I'm working with the Firearms Policy Coalition and the Cal Guns Foundation, which are two notable Second Amendment organizations. And you know, we're, we're putting some pressure on the, um, the sheriff's department here to unblock these unconstitutional burdens simply right to let me apply for my CCW. Right, not to get it, just, yeah, just to put the application in. And this is the typical bully tactic of, oh, we're going to slow walk it across the room. Here you go. Give me that form. All right, I'm going to move it over here. And then tomorrow I'll move it over one step further. And then the next day I'll move it one step. And eventually in 30 or 40 days it'll make it across the room into the in-basket. And then, we, I mean, which again – is doing nothing more but but that basically stopping you from exercising a fundamental right. Exactly. And, you know, there's uh, just, again, a lot of other kind of nefarious bureaucratic things that, uh, you know, government can do to, to slow down and, and delay the exercise of our of our civil rights. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess maybe after the break I can <laughs> keep going into yeah, some of no, the other I, details yeah, I wanna, that, uh, I, that are happening. I definitely want to hear more about this specifically because this is my – this is when I think of living in California, this is what I think of, Chris. It just – it, it immediately just it makes blood shoot from my eyes. So we'll, we'll talk about this in a hot second. Chris Chang, our guest, uh, Top Shot Champion, Season 4, author of the book Shoot to Win. He's going to continue with us here in just a minute. You can find out more about him at TopShotChris.com. We'll continue right after this. It is Firearms Friday on The Michael Duke Show. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. Uh, Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, For those of you who are just joining us, I see we've got the uh, Eskimo Libertarian in the chat room as well. Uh, Sean Thorne, uh, candidate for Senate, and a few other folks uh, here want to say hi to everybody. The chat room on Facebook this morning is jacked up. There's something I keep having to refresh the... uh, I keep having to refresh the page to be able to read the uh, comments. So if you're having a hard time on Facebook, don't forget you can always dive over to YouTube and uh, and see there uh, see what's going on. It's not an echo in the chat room. It's the fact that the chat room something's fundamentally broken in there, um, where people are not seeing any of the comments. And so if you're not seeing the comments, you can refresh. Or you can go over to YouTube or to Twitch, twitch.tv. Chris, I'm, I'm, I'm Twitch famous now. I'm on Twitch. It's amazing, huh? Hey, go, go check. there you go. I'm with all the cool kids out there. All your bases are belong to us now is what I'm saying. Uh, so it's it's good. Um, so how you been, my friend? How's the summer treated you so far? Uh, is California on fire like it is here or is it just uh, what? Well, for, for once, you know, the state is not literally on fire as much as it <laughs> usually is. There's a, you know, there's a fire down in uh, Yosemite, which has been a pretty big one. Right. But, uh, you know, we are um, in the middle of fire season. And, you know, it's been obviously pretty concerning because fire season, it's become longer and longer, right, where it's starting earlier right. and, and lasting longer 
as the years go on. So, you know, usually fire season, I think, starts in July. But over the past few years, fire season has been starting in May. And then I think it goes all the way to the end of October, when in the past usually, I think, ended in September. So, you know, um, you know, we've got, you know, healthy air, which is which is good. Um, Yeah. Other than that, yeah, I've just been also just been fighting a cold. You know, for, for most of July, I've just been, you know, watching TV, not feeling great. And it wasn't COVID. It was just, I think, you know, all of our immune systems are kind of reduced right. over the past few years from, you know, kind of reduced interaction with people and travel yeah. and such. So we're wrecked. You know, we're a little wrecked yeah. right now from having to deal with all that. Here in Alaska, we got like 3 million acres have already burned this year. We got 227 wildfires across the state. And so, you know, half the time we got smoke in the air and everything else from fires that are 100 miles away and and everything else. But finally, we got some rain down here. We finally got some hadn't had rain all summer, so it's been good, uh, and uh, now we're now it just coming to the realization that we're only 14 weeks away from snow, and now it's like, ugh, got to try and get everything done. Got to try and get everything yeah. all squared away. So all this forestry stuff is actually uh, a, a passion for me and my husband because we own land with forest. Uh, you know, it's a forest property, so you know we're working um, with the prescribed burn association, which right. is a new concept of you know local homeowners and commu- local community members and also state fire uh you know officials to to execute more controlled burns to try and minimize these huge you know massive fires that we're seeing all across the world and um you know fire is obviously a very natural thing for the environment but it's sort of like how do you want your fire do you want it to, you know in small manageable doses or do you want it in these huge, you know, damaging, right. catastrophic conflagrations? So, you know, the PBA, the Prescribed Burn Association approach is you know, trying to take that smaller but but higher quantity of uh, controlled burns, prescribed burns, to try and uh, be more responsible stewards of the land. Sure. I mean, you know, clearing out the undergrowth is another thing. Uh, prescribed logging is another thing to remove some of the trees and the deadfall and everything else. It just seems like nobody wants you doing anything in the woods these days, you know. And, of course, that's just the recipe for let's burn the world down. Uh, another interesting uh, take out there. You've got to be a good steward of the land, and doing that means taking out and clearing out the 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 undergrowth and the dead trees and some of the live ones and everything else to make sure that everything works right. Um, yeah, and- uh, I'm sorry. Hold on the line, Chris, here. We're going to yep. jump back into it. We're 20 seconds out. Folks, like and share, like and share, like and follow. Uh, and if you're on YouTube, do all the youtube things. Subscribe, ring the bell. I'm trying to get to, trying to, get to that 1,000 viewer mark so that I can change things. So we're going to uh, jump into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thing and radio. Chris Chang is our guest. Let's get to it. Yes, TGIFF. Thank goodness it's Firearms Friday. Joining us on the program for his monthly chat is Top Shot Chris Chang. We were just talking about the ramifications of the SCOTUS decision 
uh, in Bruin, Bruin versus New York, which changed some things around the country. Um, and Chris was just giving us a little bit of insight. He's been attempting to get a concealed carry permit, uh, not just in California, but in San Francisco in California, which is a, uh, woof, man, that's a, that's a deal. Uh, so, Chris, you, you can't even get the appointment right now to get the application to apply for the concealed. You have to do it in person and don't, don't call us, we'll call you kind of thing. you got to go on a list and wait for them to reach out. Exactly right. There's zero transparency around how many people are ahead of me. How long is the wait? You know, are we talking days, you know, weeks, months? Uh, from what my lawyer tells me, you know, the, the 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 government has an obligation to process a CCW application within 90 days of submittal. So that's sort of an interesting you know, factoid, but the thing is, right, if I can't even submit my application and start that 90-day right. timer, right, then my civil rights are are being blocked here. And, you know, if we think about a constitutional right, right, we have many constitutional rights, and it's unconstitutional for the government to delay or prohibit us right. from exercising our, our rights. Well, so, that's, you know, what the, that's what the court said, right? A right delay is a right denied. I mean, that's exactly. they've said that, yeah. So, you know, this is one of many hurdles that uh, I and, and other San Franciscans are anticipating. So, right, let, let me kind of go quickly through the, 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 all the road bumps we're expecting to come ahead, right? So we just talked about, you know, this delay in even just submitting your application. Next one is you have to submit what's called a letter of good cause, now, this is where uh, the Bruin case is, is uh, probably going to be able to like just do away with good cause. And good right. cause is very subjective, right? right. You know, uh, for, for most Americans, you just say, well, you know what? I want to exercise my, my Second Amendment right or I want to protect myself. Like that should be good enough cause. Um, but anyway, so I have to submit a letter of good cause. That shouldn't be a huge problem, but I know that. Um, you know, the, the Governor Newsom here and San Francisco county officials are trying to see if there's any wiggle room right, to still leverage that good cause requirement. Mm -hmm. Then this is part of what's called phase one of the application process in San Francisco. So then phase two is what's called a determination of good moral character. <laughs> so as you can imagine, good moral character is also subjective, right? So right, part of right. it is a background check. Sure, right. If you've got a felony, or you know, if you've been mentally adjudicated, you know, sure, right. Okay, that would that probably should disqualify you. But well, you know, what if uh, somebody doesn't like one of my social media posts, right? Because you know, I talk about you know being a, a pro gun, pro Second Amendment advocate, right? Maybe that disqualifies me uh, from being of good moral character. Now, the next piece here is there's 16 hours of required training, right? So 16 hours, and if you think about that, that's, that's basically a two-day course, right? right two right. eight-hour days. You know, for a lot of people, they can't afford to take two days off of work. Or if you're able to do this on the weekend, well, there's still a cost entailed, right? You know, right. probably, you know, $100 to $200, right, uh, for, for this training. Uh, then... What um, is also required then in phase three is a $150 psychological evaluation right, <laughs> that the applicant oh, has to pay. 
<laughs> then on top of that, you know, you have to register specific guns uh, like w- that are associated with your CCW license. Right. You're only re- you're only allowed a maximum of three guns, and the the sheriff's department has restricted the brands, the the number of brands that are permitted to be on your license, like down to I think like ten manufacturers. You know, so it's like Glock and Smith and Wesson, right? Springfield, sort of like the big ones. But the but the point is. Well, look, like some of these pistols are not cheap, right? They're right. they're like the higher end or at least like mid-tier brands. Right. You, you couldn't know, walk in with like a high point, like a $200 high point pistol. Sorry, not going to work for you. It may work fine, but nope, exactly. not on the list. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, it, it, it may seem innocuous to say, well, you know, sure, the sheriff's department's only allowing 10 manufacturers uh, on, on a CCW license, but you know, what is the point of that restriction, right? There, there is no point, right? There, well, there's no constitutional point to it. And the only point is to further restrict and, and, and delay somebody exercising their constitutional right. Right. I mean, and this is, again, these are just hurdles and barriers and delays that they throw up to try and prevent this stuff. Now, uh, Jacob Sellum from Reason Magazine was on in the last hour, and he did report that Bonta, the attorney general of California, said that they have dropped the good cause requirement for carry permits, but they are backing this new SB 918 law in California, which would expand not only, again, doubling down on the good moral character criteria that you're talking about, but also would prohibit permit holders from carrying in government buildings, public transit, vehicles, stations, K-12 schools, colleges, universities, healthcare facilities, bars, restaurants with liquor licenses, public gatherings, playgrounds, parks, athletic facilities, gaming establishments, gambling establishments, financial institutions, stations, stadiums, houses of worship, museums, zoos, and parks. I mean, it's just a few of them. I mean, could you even leave, could you even leave the house at that point? Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty breathtaking to see and hear the exhaustive list of places that we may not be able to go with a ACCW. Um, so yeah, I mean, but this is California for you, right? Right, it, right. It's it's just you know try and make everything a gun free zone, and of course you know who's going to follow the law, right? Or who's not going to follow the law are the criminals, right? The criminals clearly don't care about right. the whole CCW licensing framework at all. And clearly they, they don't care about gun free zones. So it's, um, it's just a constant battle here in California, but you know, I and others were, we're here to fight the good fight. And as we've discussed, you know, a number of times here on the show is that, you know, things that happen in California often reverberate out into other states <laughs> oh, yeah. in the country. Yeah. As so as goes California, so goes the rest of the country in many ways, especially when it comes to gun laws. Everybody wants to hold up California's like, look, it's perfect, you know, kind of thing. And we all know that that is definitely not the case. So you've got already you're working with the FPC and Calgun on getting this permit and getting it through. So what's the, we got about, uh, we got about two minutes here. What's the steps in the process? What is the, you know, where does it go from here? You just, you just waiting what's going on? Yeah. So, you know, uh, we sent a, a very sternly worded letter to the San Francisco sheriff, uh, the other day, uh, we're waiting on a response and, you know, based on whatever the response is, we'll determine next steps here. So, you know, it's it's you know what FPC and Calguns and I have been talking about is you know this is 
what what I want to make sure is that any applicant, right, who goes through this process gets a fair shake, right? Right, and that, right. that the, the application process needs to be swift and efficient and right, like let's get you know, get to a fair determination, you know, yes or no, right? Do you do you get the license? And if you meet all the qualifications, well of course, well then you should be get you should be granted your permit. So um yeah, it's we're expecting multiple times along the way here around, you know, it's going to be send a sternly worded letter. And if, if things don't go the way that we want them to, then we're going to be filing lawsuits right, you know, along the right. way. And I think my fear here is that, you know, this could be a multi-year process, right? As we're getting, <laughs> as we're stringing along, right. Right? it's like, well, we file a lawsuit on one part of the process. And of course, you know, no lawsuits are quick. Well, few of them, right, get resolved quickly. So when that one gets resolved, okay, well, now I move forward in the process. But, right, we may need to file another lawsuit, right, to, to tackle another part of this very long three-part right. process, application process. It's like so. trying to eat an onion one layer at a time, lawsuit yeah. after lawsuit to get there. Chris Chang, Top Shot champion. You can find him at TopShotChris.com, author of the book Shoot to Win, Top Shot season, uh, season four champion. Chris, good luck to you, my friend. It's good to talk with you. Give us an update next month, okay? We'll talk with you then. Thanks so much as always, Michael. As appreciated that you come on board. Thank you so much. Folks, we're out of time. We got more coming up. Willie Waffle up next. Weekend entertainment and movie review. The Michael Duke Show. Your mental suppository. The Michael Duke Show. All right, that is it for uh, Chris Chang, Top Shot Champion Season 4. Could, could you imagine? I mean, somebody in the chat room said, wait a minute, what's the point of a concealed carry permit then? Well, that is the point. The point is, is that they can then basically interdict you at every point along the way, making it more painful and more dangerous to have a concealed carry permit. I mean, under current California law, Guns are prohibited within a thousand feet of a K through 12 school, but it does not apply to a permit holder who is not in or on the grounds of a school. So if you're walking on a parking lot, a street sidewalk that is within a thousand feet, but not within the grounds of the school, you'd be fine. But under SB 918, the new, the new one, the, then, then, then you could potentially be in the park. I mean, this is the this is the scary part. You could be walking down the street within a thousand feet, and uh, and and uh, and still get uh, and still get busted, even though you're not in the school ground. And yeah, then the psych evaluation, one hundred and fifty dollars. What he didn't say is that they actually only have a set number of psychologists who were certified by the state to give. That specific demo, because we've seen this in other states, what's happened in other states is that when they have, you know, you got to have a psyche valve or some kind of thing, that they have a set number who are approved by the state to be able to do those things. And the number is so minute that they have such a backlog that, the, you, you know, good luck. Uh, you want to apply to get the doctor, the head shrinker to look at your head. Guess what? Oh, we can do it. My next appointment is nine months and three days away. So not only do you have to pay for that and the insult to injury and everything else, that's what it comes down to. I mean, it's it's absolutely insane.
Eskimo Libertarian says, geez, I hope these reg- uh, restrictions don't make their way here. I, not much of a chance of that. Uh, it, I mean, if I have anything to say about it, but in our um, in our uh, uh, in our legislature, I don't think they would have much of a chance. But this is what it looks like. Sean Thord says, meanwhile, in Alaska, I opened, carried, and sewered and got in a police, quote-unquote, altercation because he thought my holster was stupid. Um, well, this is reason number 312 why I don't open carry, because it's none of their business. Um, and uh, no sense getting, uh, no sense getting uh, uh, you know, squirrely with the cops on that stuff. Um, and it really is still none of his business because your, your holster could be stupid. Still none of his business. Still None of his business on that. Um, how can government determine good moral character? Can we run government through a good moral character test? I, that's exact. I mean, that's the thing. It is so subjective. What do you consider to be good moral character? What do they consider? What are the you know what are the the, the ramifications and what are the guidelines for that? The stipulations. You got no idea. It's whatever they decide. And by the way, they're looking at all your social media. So if you've ever ever said anything that was negative, maybe about government, or maybe you got a little heated in an argument sometime with some pinhead on, on Facebook about some political thing, then maybe now you show that you don't have a good temperament or a good moral character. You know? Um, but that's that's exactly it. Open carry isn't a big deal when you see black bears in their cubs. People can open carry all they want. I'm saying this is why I don't open carry. And by the way, if I'm walking down a trail and I see a bear uh, and I'm open, you know, I'm open carrying in the woods, but if I'm up out and amongst the public in civilization, then no, I'm concealed carrying and I can still protect myself against bears if they get it. Uh, Eskimo Libertarian says, oh, man, I'm screwed if they look at my social media. I mean, me too. Me too. If they kind of put that kind of test up there, I'm sure I've said something that will offend somebody somewhere. I mean, I do a two-hour show every day on social media. All they'd have to do is watch two shows and go, oh, this guy, this guy, he's not good people. No, no, no good moral character there. So, yeah, I mean, it's just. Ken, uh, Kenneth says, uh, I just don't understand how it's legal to put up all these roadblocks to people's constitutional rights. The problem is, Ken, is that it's not legal, but they're slow walking everything because they know it's not legal. They know it's not constitutional, but they throw up, they change it slightly, right? So now it's no longer uh, now it's no longer the shell issue and you have to f- show a just need or proper cause. Now it's going to be the good moral character thing that they're going to be dragging their feet on. And so that's going to be have to be another, another court case that now says the good moral character clause is not yours to decide. If they are not, if they are not in jail and they have not broken the law, then you need to issue it. There should be no justification or uh, explanation as to why good moral character has to be part of it. All right. Well, we're coming up on it right now. Um, yes, you are. I assume that as soon as you affiliate as a libertarian, someone will you'll end up on some feds list anyway. I've been a libertarian since I was 16. I'm sure I'm on a bunch of lists somewhere. I'm sure it's coming somewhere. All right, phone's ringing, and the bell just rang, so that means it's time to talk to a Willy Waffle, waffleboobies.com, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the stuff.
Hey there, hi there, ho. Who are you calling a... Hey, what's going on? Uh, it is the one, the only, Willie Waffle, wafflemovies.com, taking us into the weekend. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great. Oh, my God. First of all, you know I'm always ready for the weekend. Yeah. All right. Like, I was, I was ready for the weekend Monday morning when my alarm went off, okay? <laughs> you know, like, this is this is it. This is what we need. This is what we want, okay? This is why we put up with all the pain and lying and... and Scumbaggery that we deal with in the workplace. Right, right. So we can have the weekend. Exactly. And boy, there is some of that going on in workplaces everywhere. That's for sure. <laughs> but not yours. But not mine. That's <laughs> what happens when you're the when you're your own boss. That's what happens. Uh, except you can get mad at the boss. It just doesn't do you any good. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about the weekend uh, in entertainment before we get into the the movies that are coming on here. Uh, Will Smith. He's banned. He's not banned. He's banned. He's not banned. Slaptastic Oscars. What? Uh, tell me what's going on here. This is my favorite story of the week. Well, second favorite. Will Smith, his Will Smith Slaptastic Oscars, the one that was held a few months ago, has been nominated for an Emmy. Yes, the Academy Awards broadcast was nominated for an Emmy in the category of Best Variety Special Live, and it'll be complete, competing against the Tonys and the Super Bowl halftime show and, and the live in front of a studio audience Facts of Life and Different Strokes live episodes that they did. Right, right. And here's what I'm thinking. Now, follow me with this one. See what you think about this. Last I checked, Will Smith is not banned from attending the Emmys. Just the Oscars, right? Not that, just not the, the Oscars. Yeah, just the Oscars. Just the Oscars. All right. I think that either he should accept the award if they win, or they should make him the guy who hands out the award and announces the winner. Oh, that would be great. And then have Chris, have Chris Rock come up and accept yes, it. Is yes. that the thing? Chris, yeah, Chris Rock comes up with them. They they hug it out. They have oh, a good time. God, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. If you want, I'm telling you right now, you want Emmys ratings, you get Will Smith on that show and you tell everybody he's giving the award away. And if the Oscars wins, Chris Rock is coming to get it. Oh, my gosh. We are we're doomed as a society. I'm just saying right now, we're doomed as a society. This is what's coming down. All right, well, good for them. The Emmys is the Oscars for television, right? I'm just clarifying yes. here. Yeah, okay. That is that is exactly what it is. So it has as much meaning as the Oscars do. <laughs> Absolutely none. That's my favorite kind right there. <laughs> All right. Um, why do you keep – I just looked up and saw what you – you slipped it in again, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune – Yes. Starting to stream. This is, gotta, this is big news. Okay. All right. This is huge news. Huge. This is massive news. Huge. This, the, the people who listen, I'm telling you right now, the people who are listening right now, you email and you call Mike and you tell him you understand the importance of Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune news. And this is why you listen to the show. All right. So here's the deal. Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune are now going to stream 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Starting August 1st, you can watch a, you can watch, there's going to be a Jeopardy channel where you can watch Jeopardy 24 hours a day. And there's going to be a Wheel of Fortune channel where you can watch 24 hours a day by, for, for free on Pluto TV, which is an ad supported streaming service. Right, right. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. 
So. And, and they're they're doing this because they're trying to build their audience for people who want to see game shows. Right. So they also picked up like old episodes of The Price is Right. They picked up episodes of Let's Make a Deal. But you can see Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune 24-7. You can see, you can see Vanna from back <laughs> in the 80s. You can see Alex Trebek with the mustache. Oh. This is good stuff, people. Man, Pat Sajak and everybody else, and Chuck, Chuck Woolery, I'm assuming, back in the day. I mean, yeah, I mean, oh. yeah, you go all the way back, man. Why not? <laughs> and, what, didn't they, they, and they had what they had that that football kicker who tried to take over for a while, and, yeah, and did, did so badly that they brought back Pat Sajak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, um, somebody's excited about this in this conversation. It's I, not me, but I mean, hey, it's. <laughs> It's going to be the greatest thing that ever happened to Pluto TV. You're going to be putting and, that and, on in your house 24-7. It'll just be on yeah, all the time. Man. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, and, and the fun part is I know all the answers from the 80s because I was alive back then. Yeah. Okay. You know all the yeah. answers. All the answers. <laughs> all right. Um, well, let's move over to some of the streaming services. Um, where the Crawdads Sing. What? What? The Crawdads Sing author wanted for questioning in a murder. What is, is this? A, is this real? Is this memorized? This is what? a real, real story. So we're going to talk about the movie Where the Crawdads Sing, which is about a young lady who's been put on trial for murder. And it turns out the author of the book that it's all based on, she knows a little something about this. Okay. So Delia Owens is her name. And um, she and her husband and her child have all been wanted for questioning in the murder of a poacher in Zambia. And and this here's where it gets wild. The killing was caught on video because ABC was filming a program about the family and caught the caught the murder on videotape. <laughs> OK, and. And they, the, the, the thing is, you can't see where the shot came from, but her whole family was around, including her son, who's been somewhat accused of taking the shot or at least being one of many, because the family has been very strong advocates for, you know, protecting the environment and protecting the animals and, and fighting poaching. Right. Okay. 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 And, 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 um, so, you know, Diane Sawyer actually was the host of the ABC program that aired the footage and, and they talked about the whole thing. And uh, the father has been accused of getting rid of the body and the family fled the fled the country like as soon as the investigation began. And what makes it even better is that the father allegedly faxed a letter to another hunter in the area where he said, after three shootings, we're just getting started. <laughs> What? What? Yeah. So is he yeah. is he wanted by American authorities or are they wanted by so, Zambian authorities? By Zambian authorities. So I, I imagine there's no extradition treaty between America and Zambia. And, uh, and and to be honest with you, I don't even know if the family lives in America because the, the author has been kind of put on the back burner when it comes to promoting the film because people might ask about this. And she only does, I think she only does maybe telephone interviews or or maybe just does like you know web streaming video right. interviews she's, or something yeah she's in some so undisclosed like, location not <laughs> right. with a non-extradition treaty thank you and have a nice day right. right so it's it's just this wild story but it just makes me wonder 
How did she ever get the book published? How did how did Reese Witherspoon's company decide to pick up the rights and make the movie? How did Taylor Swift decide to do the theme song? I mean, there's all these people who at some point should have heard this story and went, nope, I'm out. No, no, yep, not <laughs> not gonna work. Not yeah. gonna work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. That's uh that's a that's an interesting uh that's an interesting story. I mean, I'm not really I don't even care about the movie, but that backstory <laughs> right. that backstory that, is enough to pique my interest for sure. Yeah. If you ever want to read, there's a really great um a great article in New Yorker magazine that you can look up and and goes into all the details and uh, and oh my god. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Uh well, let's move on. Uh one that I am I'm behind on. I'm only in season 1, but now only Murders in the Building on Hulu has been yes. renewed for season three, although Selena Gomez didn't get no love at the Emmys. What What's going on here? Yeah, so, you know, it was good news, bad news this week for Only Murders in the Building, the greatest show on Hulu, let's be honest. And it, it, it is really good. It is really it's funny. Awesome. Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> it really is. And if you're only in the first season, wait till you see the ending. But anyways, so um, what's happening is, uh, you know, here, here they got renewed for a third season. And during the Emmy nominations, you know, it got like nominated for Best, uh, best Comedy Show. And uh, Martin Short and Steve Martin were both uh, nominated for Best Actors in a Comedy. But Selena Gomez was snubbed for Best Actress. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, and, and prob- I'll be honest with you, I've, I've been watching season two. I think they've they've um, shifted some focus to her a little bit to maybe boost her image. So she'll get a nomination next year. Right. That'd be kind of nice since the show's really, really popular. But here's my question. Who's left to get killed in this building in season three? I don't know because I haven't finished season one. So, but I know people. I know people are dropping like flies all over the place. So, yeah. I mean, like at this point, the co-op board should have security on every floor, twenty-four-seven. You think people would be moving out? Some guys stay. Hey, it's rent controlled. You can't do it. Uh, they're That's all. Right. They're all uh, stationed. They got security stationed outside every door just to make sure. Um, it yeah. is. This is I, this is really a funny show. It really is. Like I said, I haven't finished this first season. I got way late on something else, but um, yeah. it it really is a funny, funny show. Yeah, and and uh, you know, for people who don't know uh, the show, so the 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 setup is that these three don't really know each other. They just all happen to live in the same building, and uh, they all love listening to true crime podcasts, especially one that is hosted by a character played by Tita Fey. And when a murder actually occurs in their building, they all kind of you know end up getting evacuated when the police show up, and they get to know each other, and they decide that they're going to make their own podcast in real time and try to solve the murder, just like Tina Fey would. <laughs> it is so funny. All right, Only Murders in the Building, Season 3. What? Are, how many waffles do you give in Season 2, just out of curiosity? Oh, Season 2 so far is like a four waffle. I, I and, and I'm just going to say this. Shirley MacLaine is in Season 2, and that woman steals the show. I, she is 87 years old, and she is just as awesome as she has ever been. Oh, man, I can't wait. All right, yeah. well, some of the other ones, of course, we talked about where the crawdad sings. Have you actually watched this thing? I did, and, uh, you know, there's... There is a part of me that's a little ashamed 
that uh, that he feels he may have to turn in his man card a little bit because uh, you know it, it it's not that bad. I mean, it's it's long. It really is drawn out. Um, you know, the the whole story is you know this this young gal. It's it's the 1960s and she lives in a house on her own in the North Carolina marshes because her father was a horrible human being who drove away her mother, drove away all of her brothers and sisters, and um, you know eventually he just even just disappears. And she's left like all on her own to raise herself and learn how to live life. And uh, and she she has amazing talent and turns her whole life around, uh, but ends up being accused of a murder uh, when a man that she's involved with is killed. And because she has this this uh, kind of she's always been called the marsh girl and the weird girl in town. Right. Everybody believes that she did it. And the facts point every other way but her right and she has she has to go on trial to defend herself and and we see the story of her life and we see her story with the with the, the two different men who have been in her life and how she's turned her life around and what she's looking forward to and what she could lose because of this allegation that is so false all right uh negative yeah. one to four what do you think I'm actually gonna go three waffles. I, wow. I was really, I was surprised. I mean, you know, I think it's it's a very emotional movie, especially early on when you when you see kind of the life the kid goes through, and and then then you see her as a grown person, and 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 you start rooting for her as good things start to happen, and you're heartbroken when the bad things start to happen. And uh, I just there's something about it that just kind of draws you in, uh, even though the court case could have been a lot more tense, it could have been a lot more complicated, it could have been a lot more mysterious. Uh, I think it, it, yeah, I think it drew out too long it was like two hours and five minutes and yeah. it felt like like some filler in there but i'm going okay. three waffles all yeah. right uh last one we got about a minute pause of fury the legend of hank i mean i'm already asleep what's going on here oh god yes you know here's the funny thing okay I, well, i'm gonna steal another person's line because i thought it was so good so this movie is kind of a takeoff of blazing saddles from mel brooks okay right and and, and the headline i wrote was it's it's exactly like Blazing Saddles without the laughs and the interest. Yes. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really bad. It's about this dog that wants to be a samurai in this town, but only cats are samurai, and someone's gonna train him, <gasps> but maybe for nefarious purposes. And it's just bland and boring and blah. It needs so much more energy. And and the guy who's doing the voice of the dog, the Hank, is Michael Sarah, who's a very funny guy, but he needs to like kind of turn it up a notch or five here right because he's he's getting overshadowed by ricky gervais and samuel L. jackson who are awesome okay willie waffle wafflemovies.com thank you my friend for coming on board we will see you on monday folks out of time have a great weekend i guess i forgot to ask you negative one to four waffles on that one willie I'm going one waffle. I think you I think you knew it in your heart. I mean, I just read the synopsis and said, yep, one waffle. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I guess, am I just getting grouchy in my old age or what? Because it used to be when I was in my 30s, I'm like, I'll watch an animated movie, you know, even with the kids or myself or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, no, I ain't got time for that. Uh yeah, I think it's been hard. I think there's been a little bit of a dry spell over the past couple of years. Um, if you really want to see a good animated film, I'll, I'll give it to you. It's it's uh, 
uh, oh god, it's the Mitchells, the Mitchells movie, uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines, which is on Netflix, which is a very, very, very funny animated film about a family that has to fight off a robot apocalypse. That is the kind of animated film I think you would be very interested in. I think most people would be interested in. But yeah, I mean, like the last couple of Pixar movies have been kind of eh, they're okay, yeah. you know. Uh, my pick of the week is Evil. On Paramount Plus. Ooh, yeah. Evil. <laughs> it's kind of like a Mulder and Scully situation with a guy who's training to be a Catholic priest and a psychologist who's all about science, looking into exorcisms and supernatural events and everything else, and it is good. Nice. Uh, they're, they're playing out the third season right now. I'm still in season one, but uh, yeah, I definitely got to go three, three and a half waffles on that one. Uh, Evil on Paramount Plus. Go check it out. Willie, very won't, nice. So you guys got to go check it out because Willie's not going to do it. But well, I'll throw I'll throw one for you real right, quick, quickly on on uh, on Hulu, the second best show they have, Bear. It is a story of a young chef who worked at the French Laundry, the greatest restaurant on the planet, who has to return home to take care of his family's sandwich shop, and nobody likes his new ways of doing things. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Well, I'll check it out. I might check it out. We'll see what it goes on. All right, my friend, you got to go. Thanks for coming on board. I'll see you soon. All right, folks. We'll see you on Monday. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show